0: Good morning. Um, the gospel reading is very nice. It talks about um, asking and receiving, and that would um, be a nice thing to preach on this morning, but I can't ignore Hosea. Um, Hosea is this prophet that we read about this morning, that God commands to marry an unfaithful woman. What are we going to do with that? That's hard reading. That's a hard topic um, and I think it's important for us to tackle because it is a message of grace and redemption um, and it's frankly amazing what Hosea is saying to us. So we're going to look at Hosea (coughs) and what we'll realize in this book and specifically the first three chapters, which we'll kind of do an overview of this morning, is that Hosea, the prophet, is He's, he's a living parable, if you will, a living story. He, through his marriage and these children, is reenacting God's relationship to Israel. Um, and that's That's going to be the the basis for all of the book is this sort of reenacted prophecy that he's doing here at the beginning. Many of the other prophets, the Lord calls and he says, go and proclaim this to my nation, my people, Israel. Um, But Hosea, his first command is to go and marry this woman. Go and marry this unfaithful woman. This woman who will leave you and cheat on you and and basically have you in a miserable marriage. Um, That's what Hosea is about. It's fascinating. So, before we get there, let's consider this history that Hosea is reenacting. Israel is the chosen people of God, the people that um, began with Abraham. And then um, they're the descendants of Abraham. They eventually moved to Egypt, they were in slavery. God rescued them from slavery and brought them into the promised land, into what is now the nation of Israel. And along the way, he made a covenant with them at Mount Sinai, and he says, you're going to be my people, I'm going to be your God, I'm giving you the law so that you can be holy, so that, like, like we prayed this morning, so that when people look at you, Israel, they will see a nation that reflects a glorious and loving God. That was the point, that was their purpose, to be a light to the nations. And it went okay for a little while, not long really, it took about 10 minutes, um, they started worshiping other gods. They made a golden calf, for instance, right there in, in the desert. And they started worshiping this golden calf um, shortly after the Lord made this covenant with them. And it was like that for a very long time. But nevertheless, God made them a nation. Um, and they were one nation. And Carrie's going to pull up a map. We've got a little geography lesson for you this morning. Um, they were one nation. Um, for a very long time. And then after King Solomon died, um, for those of you who don't know, he was the third king of Israel. After Solomon died, Israel split into two. Okay? There are ten tribes in the north, two in the south. The northern kingdom, as you see there, is called Israel. The southern kingdom, as you see, is called Judah. Jerusalem is the capital of Judah. Samaria is the capital of Israel. Um, and so what we have then is Hosea preaching to this northern kingdom, to Israel. Because if you, you see where Syria is, in a few short years after Hosea, the Assyrians are going to sweep in from the north and the west. They're going to just wipe this northern country off the map. Completely wipe them off the map. They'll deport their people. They'll, they'll, be, they'll be gone. Some people will say The people will stay will intermarry with the Assyrians. They'll um, become half-breds. And we actually start to get a picture of why, in the New Testament, the Samaritans um, are so hated by the Jews. Because they're worshiping false gods. They weren't following Israel. They intermarried with non-Jews after this invasion. And that's all, this is all the history that leads up to that. That's a total aside, but just so you know what's going on. So, judgment is coming on Israel. Why? Because they are worshiping False gods, specifically the, a god called Baal. They are worshiping Baal. They are um, sacrificing to him. They are praying to him. They are, you know, If they're in a drought, they ask Baal to send rain. If they need food, they ask Baal to send food. All these things that they need, instead of turning to the god who delivered them from slavery in Egypt, they're chasing after Baal, this false god. That's the setting of Hosea. They're unfaithful. Israel is unfaithful. And so, God says, Hosea in Israel forgetting and outright rebelling. And that's what I want to take a look at today. And so, if you can remember just, just one thing from the sermon, and, and everything I say will we'll just build up um, to this point, is, is simply this. Israel continues to find themselves in bondage we continue to find ourselves in bondage because we fail to hear God's call or we fail to respond to God's call. We find freedom when we respond and heed the call of God. Bondage when we fail to respond, freedom when we do respond. It's pretty simple, frankly. Um, Bondage and freedom. And that's that's what we are going to um, meditate on today. So, We're in Hosea, maybe you can find it in your Bibles if you have it, or if you have a a phone or tablet, whatever. Um, We're in Hosea chapter 11, and you would want to go down to verse number 7, because I consider this to be sort of the the summary verse of the first part of the reading. Um, Verse number 7, there you see it up on the screen. My people are bent on turning away from me, and though they call out to the Most High, he shall not raise them up at all, okay? So first part, my people are bent on turning away from me. When, when we consider this and we think about what God's saying, he's saying these people, Israel, this nation that I've called, their, their only desire is to turn away from me, from the God who loves them. That, they're bent. They're bent on doing that. That's all they can think about, all they can muster, all they can even try to do. And so you see that, like like I mentioned, in verses 1 to 3, God says, I love them. I called them out of Egypt. You hear that? I called them out of Egypt. But the more they were called, the more they went away. So this is a people bent on turning away from God. He calls them out of Egypt. The more they're called, the more they went away. And we see that in their history. Physically, yes, they are delivered out of Egypt into the promised land. But spiritually, the farther they get from Egypt, the farther they get from God. Because they don't hear his call. They don't understand it. They don't respond to it. They give give thanks to other gods because of what God is doing for them. They can't recognize God's call. So that's sort of um, the cause of their bondage, is they don't recognize the call of God. And the consequence is, is um, a return to bondage. So the second part of verse 7 says this. Though they call out to the Most High, He shall not raise them up at all. Do you see what's happened between verse 1 and verse 7? Verse 1, God's calling Israel. They don't hear Him. And then they're punished. Verses 5 and 6. They shall not return to the land of Egypt, but Assyria will be their king. They have refused to return to me. The sword shall rage against their cities. Consume the bars of their gates and devour them because of their own counsels. You see that? God calls Israel. They don't hear him. They're punished. Why? Because of their own counsels. Assyria comes in and destroys them, exiles them. And then they call out to God. Look who's calling now. Israel's calling out. And God doesn't hear them, does he? Or it doesn't seem that he does, at least from verse 7. And so we've kind of seen what's happening. God's calling Israel. They're not responding. And so they're, they're back in bondage, right? They're not in bondage to Egypt anymore, but now they're in bondage to Assyria. It's a different country, but the same result. They're not, um, they're not free, They're no longer free to be in the promised land, to live in the presence of God. They're back in bondage. And the fact of the matter is, many of us, if not all of us in this room, are in some sort of bondage. Are you not? Now, you might realize it. You might be able to raise your hand and say, I know exactly what you're talking about. Some of you maybe not. But but I guarantee you, if you search your heart and search your life, you will realize that you're in some sort of bondage. And the reason for this, the cause of this, is because we haven't heard God's call, have we? We haven't responded to him. We haven't listened to him. Why? Because we want to be free people. When we say we want to be free people, it means we want to do what we want, when we want, however we want, with no consequences. That's, what, that's our definition of freedom. And so we seek that and pursue that, and when we think we have it, we actually find ourselves where? In bondage. We have had at our house some very exciting goldfish. I'm, t- I'm telling you, they're exciting. There's, there's, you never know what's going to happen in, with a Prescott fish. So for instance, um, the fish we have now is actually a betta fish. Um, his name used to be Hank. We've recently changed his name to Lazarus. That's another story, I can explain to that to you later, but all I'll say is Lazarus, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, and so it is with this fish. But before Lazarus, we had another fish, and I spoke to you all about him probably about eight or months ago or so. This particular fish, I was cleaning his bowl out, and I dropped him in the dish disposal. And I rescued him, and he lived. He lived. And to show his thanks for that, about three weeks later... He jumped out of his bowl. I woke up one morning and the fish was not in the bowl. And so I imagine this fish. And what's he thinking? I'm going to be free. Look at all this amazing food in the kitchen. Look at all these wonderful things around. I'm going to be free. And he jumps out of the bowl. And he's not free anymore. Do you see that? A fish is only free when he's in the water. A fish is only free when he is doing what he's designed for. We're only free when we're responding to the call of God. We're not free jumping out of the bowl into something else. We're not free on pursuing things that are ultimately going to bring us bondage and death. We do what we want to do, but it only leads to bondage. Well, you know, what are we doing? Let's 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 get real here. You know, addiction, right? We need something to cope, we need something to escape. We want to enjoy the pleasures of the world. So what do we turn to? Alcohol, drugs, pornography, um, you know, even even good things like shopping or there's all sorts of things that can be addictions. And we do these things to escape the reality of this world. We're pursuing our own ends and they become bondage to us. Maybe our bondage is unforgiveness. Is there a relationship in your life that you simply can't restore, that you can't forgive because why? Because you want justice. Or maybe we're, we're pursuing things that are, that are good things, um, but they can still become addiction. Uh, not addictions, they can become bondage. So, so our appearance, our uh, success, money, family, jobs, these things, these are good things. But when we're not pursuing God and pursuing them instead, we, we become enslaved to them, right? We become enslaved. It's not freeing because with, with alcohol, the buzz is going to go away. And it's going to take more to get it back. With, with, with unforgiveness, justice will never be enough. You'll always want more justice. You'll always want retribution. Pay me back plus some. You'll never be happy. You'll never have enough success or enough money or the perfect family. These things are unobtainable. And if that's what you're pursuing, you're locking yourself into a life of bondage. You're going back to Egypt. You're turning from God and returning to the way you were. Or maybe you're staying the way you've always been. And that's what Israel did. They are back in bondage. Now, it would seem that verse 7 sort of settles this thing, right? My people are bent on turning away from me, and though they call out to the Most High, He shall not raise them up at all. It would seem that God was finished. But verses 8 and 9 change things. So God, here, he's made up his mind. They're going to call out to me, nothing. I, I, I won't restore them. I won't raise them up. But, but, but the longing of God's heart comes out in verses 8 and 9. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim. For I am God and not a man. The Holy One in your midst. And I will not come in wrath. I am God and not a man. God does things differently. If we were treated like Israel has treated God, we'd be finished. We'd say, I'm done with you. I want no part of you. You go your own way. This relationship is finished. It's over. But He is God and not a man. I'm the Holy One in your midst. God doesn't cut off relationships. He restores them. He doesn't leave us to our own devices. He doesn't leave us to our own bondage. He he frees us. And how does He do this? Through His Son, Jesus Christ. I want you to um, think with me for a minute. Put um, put on some your theology caps. You all have them. Put them on and just, just just think about this for a second. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus is a baby, and he's born in Bethlehem. You know the story; it's very familiar to you. And the wise men come, um, and they they see Jesus, and then uh, they get wind of Herod's plot to kill all the children. Of Israel, and so um, Jesus and his parents, Mary and Joseph, flee. They flee from Herod's plot. Now, where do they go? Does anybody remember where do they go? To Egypt. They go to Egypt. And Matthew has a little side in his gospel, and he says, "This was to fill the prophecy. Out of Egypt I have called my son." which we just read in Hosea, talking about the nation of Israel. What Matthew is doing in his gospel is he is presenting us with Jesus as the true Son of God. As the true Israel. So think about this. God calls Israel out of Egypt. And he makes a covenant with them and he says, You're my people. You're my Son. I'm your God. God brings Jesus as a baby Out of Egypt, back into the nation of Israel when he's a little bit older. And then Jesus is baptized by John. And God speaks, the clouds part, and God speaks and he says, You are my son, with you I am well pleased. Israel wanders around in the wilderness facing temptation and failing again and again. Remember, worshiping the calf. Grumbling about Moses. Jesus, after he's baptized, he goes into the wilderness. Satan tempts him. And he responds perfectly. He doesn't succumb to temptation. He doesn't succumb to Satan. He, he follows God's will. He hears God's call. And the rest of his life is Jesus hearing God's call, becoming the perfect Israel, becoming the holy one, the light to the nations that Israel was called to be. Jesus is restoring Israel by reliving what they were called to do. And then, in this amazing, dramatic twist, Jesus takes the wrath that Israel, that we, that the sinful people who don't follow the Lord, who resist His call, Israel, or Jesus takes the wrath that we deserve he dies on the cross and so here in verse 7 where it says though they call out to the most high he shall not raise them up until at all jesus is calling out on the cross is he not my god my god why have you forsaken me and they're silent Jesus restores relationship. In Jesus, we find the freedom that we are longing and desiring. We we lose the chains of of bondage because when we when we seek Him, we find that we have comfort in times of trial. We don't need to turn to uh, um, addiction because we can turn to Jesus Christ. We don't need the success of this world because the only thing that matters is our success in the eyes of Jesus Christ, who is redeemed us, who loves us. And so he calls us in the last verses of Hosea. They shall go after the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children shall come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt and like doves from the land of Assyria. And I will return them to their homes, declares the Lord. So God's going to try again. He's going to call them again. They didn't hear him the first time, the second time, the 100th time. He's going to call them again. Except this time, he's going to roar like a lion. He's going to call them with the Lion of Judah, with Jesus Christ. And he's calling us now. The Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe. Lucy is visiting with Mr. Tumnus. And it's winter and snowy. And Tumnus is explaining his hope for Narnia. And he sings this, wrong will be right when Aslan comes in sight. At the sound of the roar, sorrow will be no more. When he bares his teeth, winter meets its death. And when he shakes his mane, we shall have spring again. Jesus Christ is calling each and every one of us. He's calling us out of bondage. He's calling out of this calling us out of this winter of our lives into a spring, into new life. Have you responded to that call? Have you heard that call? Are you ready for something more? Are you ready for God? Are you ready for Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you have called us, and we have continually not heard it. I pray, Lord, that you would roar once again, that you would call us back to you, call us out of our slavery, call us out of our bondage, call us out of, um, call us into perfect freedom in you. I pray, Lord, there are some people in here who maybe have not heard that before and that they would make that a reality in their lives right now this morning and i pray lord that you would move in all of us that we would um, be shown the areas of slavery that still exists in our lives that you would break those chains and show us new life and we ask this in your name amen